Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening, Chelsea fans, and uh, welcome along to our latest Blue is the Colour podcast, uh, an FA Cup final special looking ahead to tomorrow's game against Arsenal. Uh, a repeat of the 2002 FA Cup final. I'm sure we're all hoping for a slightly different conclusion to what happened in 2002. Uh, Ollie, you're with me today after after the Sunderland victory at the weekend and looking ahead to tomorrow. So welcome to you. Good evening. And uh, welcome along to a, uh, a special guest, literally a special guest, uh, Rob Guest, who works at Football.London, um, is joining us for his Chelsea podcast, well, his, his podcast debut. So welcome along, Rob. Good. Thank you, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, lads, looking ahead to tomorrow, it all seems pretty serene in the camp at Chelsea. You've been at the media uh, open day on Wednesday, been down to see Conte at Stamford Bridge today, and it all seems, you know, nice and calm and serene. And and like you, you, you cannot say that in the other side of the coin at Arsenal, where the news this afternoon is that David Ospina is going to start instead of Petr Cech, so Cech won't be playing against his former club at Wembley. Um, they've got loads of defensive concerns. Is this going to just be the routine win for Chelsea that a lot of people expect? It could be an absolute rout, <laughs> really. I think a lot of the feeling around it is that it's... I think before the injuries and suspensions um, in the in the back line for, for Arsenal, I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, they're on a pretty decent run. They've had a good end to the season. I know they missed out in the Champions League, but maybe they could just sort of scratch their way to some sort of uh, win, maybe even an extra time or whatever. But... You know, everything's pointing now towards a Chelsea win. You've got to say, I mean, the Conchelny ridiculous dive, lunging challenge. I just didn't understand what he was doing whatsoever in that position on the pitch. And, you know, getting himself sent off. Obviously, the Gabriel injury, which is unlucky. Mustafi probably going to miss out because of his concussion. So you're looking at a back three of of Monreal, Mertesacker and, and Holding. I mean, I've been really impressed by Rob Holding. But having Mertesacker next to you and Monreal, you know, next to him as well... It's not just the fact that they're sort of the second string defence, if you like. It's more the fact they just haven't played in that formation a lot together. And that's I the mean, difference. Matt Sachs had 37 minutes of football yeah, exactly. in a year. In a, in a position now he's going to be probably thrown into, we assume he's going to go through at the back, in a position that he's not used to as well. So, you know, it takes time to adjust to that sort of formation. And Chelsea have, have been lucky in the sense that Louise, Keo and Aspilicueta have played in that sort of formation all season and, and stayed pretty injury-free. Everything's pointing towards a Chelsea victory. And if you're Hazard, Costa and Pedro tonight, you're thinking, I could get a lot of goals here tomorrow. And I think that I think it could, if Chelsea get an early goal, it could easily turn into a route. If not, then, you know, it might, you know, Arsenal might drag it out a little bit longer. But I, I just can't see anything but a Chelsea win. Do you think the potentially their biggest you know, enemy here, Rob, is themselves in in the and you wouldn't expect a Chelsea team under Conte to become complacent, but you just look at you look at the two teams on paper, you look at the scenario, you look at all of all of the pre match talk for Arsenal's being dominated by obviously the injuries, Wenger's decision to pick Ospina, the fact that there's no clarity over Wenger's future and yet for Chelsea it, it, everything just seems in place for them to win. So I guess, you know, the only thing 
that could possibly go against them is, is themselves, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly right there. I think there's no pressure on Arsenal, really. Everyone is expecting a Chelsea win and maybe to win by three or, go- three or four goals, potentially. But if you look to the game where they played Watford, after they'd won the league, they'd conceded three then. I think they've conceded... Uh, I think they've had three clean sheets in the past 12 games, Chelsea, so... I mean, Arsenal will have hope. There's no pressure on them. They're, they're expected to lose. So, like you said, I think Chelsea could be their own worst enemy. But I think if they get an early goal, then it's how Arsenal react to that. That's it. And and Hazard against Mertesacker, as you just said. Mm. I mean, that's whoever plays in that right wing-back role, whether it's Bellerin or Oxlade-Chamberlain, it looks like it might be... Kieran Gibbs has been in training today so it could be that he plays and it's one of those two on the right it mm. could be if Gibbs doesn't make it they play Bellerin on the left or Chamberlain on the left and the other one on the right so I mean that much uncertainty in their ranks like Hazard can you're surely just going to be licking his lips at the prospect of running against Per Mertesacker surely yeah you think on sort a of big Wembley pitch as well there's going to be a lot of gaps in there uh, Mertesacker as you said has played 30 odd minutes of, of football um, he's going to tire. There's no doubt about it. There doesn't seem to be an obvious person to bring on as well um, in his place. So I'd, you've got to say that Hazard should have a field day tomorrow. I mean, obviously he's got that magnificent goal at Stamford Bridge as well. Um, Rob Holding will probably be most likely against Rob Holding in that right sort of back of the three. Uh, you'd think that you know Holdings looked very impressive, but this is a big, big test for him. Uh, you know, a cup, FA Cup final um, didn't come over from came over from Bolton for not a lot of money. Good um, looks like a good prospect, but Hazard is sort of one of the you know most accomplished Premier League players at the moment. And for him to go up against uh, Hazard, I think the Hazard should have a great day tomorrow if he's up for it. If he's on it, um, I think they'll be very very tough. And it's going to be important for the whoever's in front of that uh, back three for Arsenal to sort of try and keep Hazard quiet and that lot quiet because I expect <clears throat> I expect Matic to start tomorrow over Fabregas. I think that's the likelihood of what will happen. And I think that if that does happen. You know, you're expecting the front three to do the damage rather than Fabregas causing damage as well. So, I think um, if that, you know, you'd like, I think Conte probably thinks, you know, the front three they can they can do a job there and doesn't need to play Fabregas. He can maybe play Matic as a bit more holding as well. I don't know about you two, but I found the Fabregas comments about playing against Arsenal a little bit odd personally. In that he he says that he doesn't like it necessarily. Doesn't doesn't find it to be easy against him, which which I understand, but I also do think to myself that he's gone to Chelsea, he's achieved something that he never did at Arsenal, which which is win a Premier League title. So a lot of fans at Arsenal don't seem to have the love for him that he probably expected after what he did at Arsenal. I don't know, I just found those comments a little bit odd, and, and I think maybe that possibly plays into Conte's thinking a little bit, because is he wondering about whether the emotion... I don't think Fabregas will because of how brilliant a footballer he is, but maybe that plays a part in his thinking slightly of whether it, whether he could get caught up in the emotion of the occasion. Yeah, maybe. Um, it's a strange one with Fabregas and that, isn't it, in Arsenal fans? I mean, it's, it's a weird one. of He was obviously such a, a good player for them and captain the side as well, and, and coming through such a young age, for him to not have, or Arsenal fans not have the affiliation with him, I think it obviously... You could say that you know going to Chelsea was probably it. Then you know I think him going to Barcelona was always on the cards, wasn't it? That was always sort of going to be the next step for him. And then going coming back to the Premier League 
for their rivals and then being so successful as well. I think that's really, um, really hurt them. But maybe he has an affiliation with Arsenal that a lot of people don't see on the outside as well, that you don't realise actually he finds it quite a special club with him. So maybe maybe the, he thinks the occasion might get, but for me, for, with Conte, I think he doesn't think about that quite as much. I, don't, I think he expects his players to be as professional as they as they can be, and I think it more he won't play tomorrow just because of tactics. I think the only reason, really. Do you think Matic is the pragmatic choice in that position, Rob? Yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, he's played there all this season. That he's been immense, along with Kante. I mean, when Fabregas has come in, he's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think you can see that from the past few games. But I think you just go with your first choice eleven. Mm. I think with Fabregas as well, it's another one of those games where you start with Matic, you see out the game for most of the game, and then Fabregas comes in towards the last 10, 15 minutes. If he goes into extra time, he then adds on that extra bit of creativity for the likes of, you know, you expect William to come on or Batshuayi or whoever it is, and then you expect him to open up defences, a tiring defence, as I'm sure Arsenal will be at the end of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a pragmatic choice, as you say, to put Matic in and, and start, however fantastic Fabregas has been towards the end of the season, he really has been superb for a lot of the games. I think it's just a, a sort of a pretty uh, easy call for Conte to make. And tomorrow's obviously another opportunity for Conte to show what Arsenal missed out on last summer. I mean, he, he, he just across the whole season, I, I, I still feel like in recent weeks he's probably not even got the plaudits he's deserved at times. I just think what an incredible role he's had in this team. And I think tomorrow will be a real kind of case study in how. Personally, this is, I, I think Chelsea will win the midfield battle yet again. I can't can't see any way that Arsenal will win it. I just think Kante's performance tomorrow will go a long way to deciding the game and showing Arsenal again, as I say, what they missed out on big time by not splashing out on the £32 million that they needed to sign him. It's been absolutely immense this season. I think it's essentially one of the biggest reasons why they've won the league. Yeah. Arsenal have missed out on him but at the end of the day that's gone they've just got to get on with that Kante has been absolutely fantastic and I think he will play another major role tomorrow yeah he's he's just been it's only the back end of the season really where Hazard's taken over the role as well and that's why all the talk over the player of the year has been between Kante and Hazard because Hazard's that special player on the ball, absolutely. But Kante is that player that has made them tick all, all year. Um, you know, he's, he's played the majority of games. Um, he's been immense in the majority of games. I mean, we talked about it before. They're probably the only one game we can really think of where he wasn't as influential was the Spurs defeat, where Wanyama had a really good game. But you know, he's just proved that he's just a, an outstanding midfield player. And and you know, you look at Kante and he's not going to go out there thinking, "Oh, I'm going to prove Arsenal wrong." He's just going to go out there and just do the same Which job that he's so done. Brilliant about him. He's just going to do exactly the same job that he's done all season, and you know, go out there, sort of put everyone under pressure, every midfielder under pressure, every centre back, striker, whatever, wherever he is on the pitch, as he will be all over the pitch, under pressure, and and put on another good show. You would expect if he's on his game. Absolutely. And on the flip side of it, Kante potentially showing Arsenal what they missed out on. Alexis Sanchez having having his Chelsea audition potentially. Mm. I mean, he didn't play well in the. Uh, no Arsenal player did, frankly, in the three-one defeat. He played very well in in the three-nil win at the Emirates. But um, 
you again, you look at that starting eleven that Arsenal are likely to fill tomorrow, and it all just points to as how it's been in recent weeks in their kind of you know valiant but fruitless attempt to get into the Champions League. Just give the ball to Sanchez and almost see what happens. Mm. I feel like a lot of the pressure is going to come on him tomorrow. Do you think he will step up to the plate, and 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 do you think he'll be on a man on a mission to put himself in the shop window? Yeah, I think so. But also, he's not particularly fit at the moment either, is he? He's, no. he's been struggling a bit, so that will probably play into Chelsea's hands more. We'd say because even you know he's had a decent back into the last few games of the season, and as you rightly say, they've you know given him the ball and see what he can do. But he's a lot of the time he's been playing on one leg as well, and he's still been doing the job. So it just shows how dangerous he really is for them. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for Chelsea, it's, he's the one man, isn't he? I mean, you look at Ozil and you think, oh, he just doesn't, he's not been stepping up to the plate in the big games. When we say it so often, he, again, he didn't at Stamford Bridge. Um, and whether he does again tomorrow, you just don't know. But yeah, I think that Sanchez, I don't think, I don't, it is an audition for Sanchez, but then everyone sort of knows what Sanchez is all about as well. And, um, you know, he, he had a big game against City and he got the winner, obviously, uh, in the semi-final. It's another big chance for him to prove that he's a big game player. So Chelsea will all about be keeping him quiet. And, and yeah, if they want to sign him, they know what he's all about, really. And if, if they can sign him, I don't know if they will sign him. Is, it, is he what Chelsea need, do you think? Uh, no, I don't think... To really need him I mean obviously if they could get him it'd be an absolute fantastic addition I mean I mean, look, would, look what he's done at Arsenal would you replace Pedro with him straight away if he if you bring I, him in if you sign Sanchez he plays I think you don't sign him and then put him on the bench mm, agree he, with that, he, yeah. he starts yeah I, I don't think it's something not a priority need, no it's not a priority no there's other positions they need to fill first before that role because they've still got William as well and you know William's basically said that he wants to stay so you know you're fighting between William and Pedro and the two quality players Sanchez yeah as Rob says is basically a bonus if, if they manage to grab him then then great and he's right they start he starts and he starts over Pedro even though Pedro's had a very good season Sanchez still starts all day long really and and the front three of Pedro uh, sorry Sanchez Costa and Hazard could be pretty dynamic but it's not the first choice needed I don't think that's the the priority that Conte will be looking for this summer. Well, just on that with Costa, if Sanchez did arrive, is it feasible to suggest that he would be the, the kind of the um, main central striker ahead of Costa? I mean, there's an argument. You wrote it after the Sunderland game. Mm. Should Mishi Batshuayi start tomorrow? On form, yeah. I mean, really, if you look at it, I mean, I think Costa scored three goals in ten games or so. Uh, scored four goals in three games now and it wasn't just um, the scoring of the goals it was actually the way he took them as well I thought you know the, the last goal you know Sunderland had basically given up anyway but you know he still cut in, in nicely from the right and then smashed it into the bottom corner with his left I thought was really good and he's just showing that he's got that confidence back now and a little bit of edge I think obviously the West Brom goal went a long way to getting that confidence and he's sort of carried on that and if you go on you know, form on paper, then Batshuayi starts. I don't think he will. I think Costa will still start. But um, you know, Conte, I'm sure wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be adverse to sort of uh, pulling a bit of a surprise. But I, I thought some of the criticism of of Mish was harsh in the semi final. He didn't seem to um, he didn't seem to get much credit for his performance. But I actually felt like he he had a key role in um, Victor Moses winning the penalty for Williams. Uh, for Willian's goal from from the spot, thought he held the ball up well. I think there was an incident in the first half where he dragged out of Ireland out of position. 
I thought it was. I thought it was an Im- a fairly impressive cameo, considering he was such a surprise starter. Obviously, Costa and Hazard come on and and completely change the game in Chelsea's favour. But I felt some of the some of the comments on Bashway after that were a little bit harsh, personally. I thought he did okay. I think, but the thing is, as a striker, you're always judged on your goals, and up until that point, it not hit the heights. Yeah. It's only the past few weeks where he's come in. And really started scoring, so obviously against lesser opposition, yeah. it could be added. Yeah, Conte has got a decision on his hands now whether or not he starts. I personally don't think he will, but given his form, is should, should he? You can make a case for it to start him, but I think he's, he's a great option to bring on if you need the goal, same as Fabregas. It could work out, say, like Hazard and Costa did in the semi final, yeah. Potentially. Do you think Costa's goal scoring record against Arsenal will probably ultimately? Yeah, I think his goal scoring record just full stop generally, well, I think. Yeah, I mean, 20, 20 goals in the Premier League season, he's still got that quality. Um, yeah, I mean, it's difficult with Batchway because he was an easy target as well. That's the other thing, you know, you'd, you'd look at him after the semi final and, and you think, well, unless he scores and scores a spectacular goal, people are probably going to criticise him anyway. Because he's just not, you know, it's a bit like Vincent Janssen for for Spurs. He's, he was just an easy target. But he's not getting games if he's going to, you know, he's come for thirty three million pounds. And if he's going to sit on the bench the whole time, then then he is going to be an easy target. And his actual goal scoring record now is not actually that bad. But you look at minutes played compared to, you know, compared to Acosta or whoever, he's actually got a very good record. So he was a bit of an easy target with the semi final. I didn't think he did too badly particularly, but you know, Costa's the season pro, isn't he? In the in the in the team, and I think that. I think he'll start. I think Costa will start. But I think if Arsenal have Mertesacker holding Monreal starting the centre backs, you start Costa. Yeah. So he will bully them, mm. and he'll get so much joy there. Yeah. I know Bashwa is playing really well at the moment, but I think Costa can really make a difference tomorrow. Yeah. Just on the subject of transfers, incomings, also departures. I know Willian said that he he wants to stay. Do you think if Man United who you know, every everyone knows that Mourinho is a massive Willian fan. I I personally think United probably will try and test the waters this summer and come in with an mm. offer, particularly if Chelsea go out and buy a a wide forward. Mm. Do you think he might be minded to go, or do you think he'll bide his time and wait and see how things unfold over the summer first? I think yeah, I think that's probably right. I think he'll see what happens, sort of materializes over the summer as far as transfers because. At the moment, it's you know if if say nothing happens, which I kind of don't think it will, but if say nothing happens, then he's still battling out one place for, with Pedro. And if he plays well and Pedro doesn't, then he's he's in and he's starting again. If he strengthens a couple of places in that sort of forward line, say Costa stays and he brings in a Morata, and you know he, on the right hand side he brings in someone else as well, then you're kind of thinking, well, actually he's, he's gone down the pecking order here now, and and his chances are probably slipping away a little bit. I think he wants to play first-team football, as most footballers do, and he's a good enough player to play a lot of Premier League clubs, and I think you're right, Mourinho really likes him, I think they'll test those waters, I think Mourinho will probably just try a little bit, bit uh, clever against his uh, former side as well to try and get it, and and as you, as you see with Bernardo Silva now as well, that he's not going to get Bernardo Silva, and that's a player that he probably at one point thought was basically nailed on to get as well. Yeah, And Matic has been linked with United as well, do you think do you think he's a player that Conte might be if he goes and gets Tiamui Bakayoko from Monaco or another midfield target? You really like Nangalan from Roma last summer, that didn't come off. But do you think he might be 
one of the more dispensable options in the squad, Rob? Potentially, yes, but given how well he's played this season, you'd, you'd certainly just keep him. And obviously, like you said, they've been linked with Nangland and a few others, but no, I'd, I'd keep him. I know like Manchester United will be interested in him, but I think Conte would I'd want to keep him, especially given how good he's played alongside Kante throughout the season. Do you yeah. think he necessarily fits the the right... There still feels like there's a question mark on him. And, and I look at... I mean, I, I was really disappointed with Bakayoko when I watched him against Juventus mm. in the in the quarterfinals. That, when I looked at that performance, that did not make me think he's a 40 million plus footballer who deserves Champions League football. He, he looked good to a point, but when he came up against the very best mm. it, against Juventus' midfield, he, he looked... He looked badly out of sorts, in my opinion. Do you think? Do you think Bakayoko Matic, that kind of midfield destroyer? Do you think that's necessarily the right fit alongside Kante? No, not all the time. Definitely not. I think that uh, I think that Kante needs, if say whatever happens over Fabregas, he needs somebody with a bit more creativity in the middle because it's not always at times where you can just count on the front three to do all the damage, and that's that's the difference to what Fabregas has done over the last few weeks and why he's sort of wrote about it once about how why they need to keep him and why he's so crucial because sometimes games just don't work out how you want it to and you need a little bit of magic in the middle of the park to to do that the thing is with Matic I mean I know obviously he scored that stunning goal against Spurs in the FA Cup but that is a one-off and also he doesn't create enough for midfield I mean you've got Kante and, and Matic in the middle of the park Kante's assist rate is not good enough to be, um, you know, to be a creative midfielder. If you like, that's not his role. If you have Matic next to him as well, sometimes you're just losing that spark, really, and um, you know you're losing that forward momentum, the forward passing and creativity that can unlock defenses. Um, but I think he's definitely one that looks keep with Champions League football on the horizon. He's the sort of person who could do a job against some of the better midfielders, better midfields in in, in European football, um, but. I think next year he won't play as regularly. I don't think if they bring in the like of Bakayoko or whoever it is in the middle of the park. Bernardo Silva, former Chelsea target, on the verge of moving to Manchester City. Looks like that's pretty much done for 40, 50 million, depending on who you believe. It's a bit of a statement from City that ahead of the summer. And it's all, it's it's interestingly timed in that it's kind of almost a United winning the Europa League, Chelsea gearing up for their... Um, FA Cup final Spurs obviously away in Hong Kong at the moment all the uncertainty surrounding Arsenal City just come and blow everyone out of the water with a, with a move like that I mean Chelsea really like the look of him as they, as they do with Bakayoko and Mendy mm. and it looks as if Mendy's also on their radar so Conte is almost not going to have you know time or room to breathe post FA Cup final it looks like you know that Bernardo Silva move could be the domino that kind of get, gets things underway it's, uh, it's a massive statement from City, bringing in players this early. Obviously, they need to strengthen, there's no doubt about that, but I'd have said their priority was in defence. Yeah. I don't know where Silva's going to play, really. Yeah. Do, do you but, think that was an argument, possibly? I mean, you look at, an, as you say, with an Alexis Sanchez, you'd imagine he goes straight into starting eleven. Would you necessarily, as, as good as he's been this season, Bernardo Silva... Would you necessarily say he goes straight into that Chelsea starting line? Mm, into the City starting line? Well, into the Chelsea oh, into one. the if Chelsea he'd, one. He'd Probably not, no, because he'd have to push out Pedro. I mean, Sanchez is a proven Premier League player. That's the difference, I think. And, and Silva is 
not. I mean, he's obviously had a great season with Monaco, but you know, Pedro's had a great season in the Premier League with Chelsea Absolutely. to win the title. So you know, I don't think he necessarily does. I mean, the City thing is just it's just bizarre. I mean, <laughs> you know, yesterday you saw the tweets of just chucking like, all the defenders are going and goalkeeper or whatever, and you're thinking who are they going to play in defence? But they, I mean, their forward lineup is going to be scary next yeah. year. Gabriel Jesus looks like a world class player in the in the making. Leroy Sane looks absolutely class. You've got still got David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Aguero. I mean, it's just going to be incredible. So I just find it. I find that yeah, as Rob says, a massive statement, but also strange, really, in the sense that the one place they need to really sort out is defence. And if they don't sort out the defence, then they're not going to be title winners next year. No way, because you know they need to sort out what's going on at the back as well. Do you think they're the biggest threat to? Okay, I'm just going to open the floor here. Biggest threat to Chelsea next season. And I'm assuming you think Chelsea will go into next season as favourites, both of you. I think the bookies install City as favourites now. Chelsea favourites, City second favourites with most bookies. Thing is, I think City are going to spend an absolute ton of money this year. And I think the need to, I think they've been disappointing this season. I think they've done alright towards the end of the season, got five past Watford the other day. But their problem is the defence I think once they sort that out then they'll be great going forward I think that's key first defence if they can sort that out there definite title winners I still think they probably need a holding midfielder as well yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah and the keeper a Kante like player really to to be that protection and the 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 keeper I mean that goalkeeper situation is just odd as well I mean Hart's going to go but Claudio Brava is not a very good goalkeeper by the looks of it he might be great with his feet but he's not very good with his hands do you, um, do you see them as the biggest threat, or do you think United, I think United Spurs? I don't think Spurs. Only the Wembley factor is big with Spurs. I think the next year they've they've built this this you know superb um, sort of structure, if you like, and they've built these foundations of a great club in the making. But I think the playing at Wembley, we saw how disastrous they were at Wembley in the Champions League. I think United a big threat. I think they'll spend big again this summer uh, in areas that they need to. They can't be any sort of worse off going forward and I think they'll only strengthen going forward as well so I think they've got the makings there of, of being the real title challengers I'd say for next season I know you were impressed with them at Old Trafford in that 2-0 weren't yeah you? they were I mean that was a that was a one-off sort of bespoke performance from them and you know chatting to Samuel Luckhurst after the game um, the MEN reporter for United saying that that was the best they've played in years um, and they haven't really matched those heights since then or before then so I think they've got the they've got the potential there. I would say United are probably the biggest threat, and then City, Chelsea, you know, Arsenal. Depending on what happens with Wenger, I think if Wenger stays, then no. If he goes, then maybe. Depending on who they get in, Ooh. and then oh, I just a I, bold statement. I, I just tomorrow, I huh? don't see. It. I don't really. I don't. I don't. Get, I, I just think that they're stagnating, and I don't. I don't see them improving massively tactically. I don't see them improving. I think next year they'll be between Chelsea, City, and United. I think they're the main ones. I think if Spurs were still at White Hart Lane, mm. then potentially they could challenge. I think they need some experience in there. Yeah. But I think going to Wembley, I think that could potentially prove their downfall. But City, Chelsea, United. Not, not Liverpool as well. I was going to say, no. not, not going to go for Liverpool. I think that it's you know, it's the big it's a big summer for Klopp. It's a big start to the season because 
look at what happened the last time they got in the Champions League. Yeah, and they... Went and brought Ricky Lambert to replace Luis Suarez. <laughs> yeah. Lest, lest we forget. Let's hope that Klopp won't make that sort of decision. Well, I mean, you can do it if he wants to. It's fine by me. But I think that for Klopp, that it's, uh, it's a big season because there's obviously a massive talk around Klopp. And he's he was a fantastic manager in the Bundesliga, but he's not quite shown that. And if he, if he doesn't make the right signings, again, defensively for them is a big thing. They've got some great attacking sort of going forward as well, and I'm sure they'll strengthen there. But, but the other thing with Arsenal as well now is, you know, with no Champions League football, it is hard, to, unless you're Man United, it's hard to attract that sort of player. And if they lose Sanchez, then it's, you know, they're going to they're gonna be in a real sort of struggle next season, I think. Absolutely. OK, well, we... Um, just briefly before we come on to something that I'm going to surprise you with here, oh, we're going to yeah. come. We're going to come on shortly. So I'll give you a little bit of thinking time. We're going to come on to our end of season awards very shortly. But first, I just wanted to talk about JT at the weekend. Mm. What you both thought about it? Him coming off in the 26th minute um, to a, a celebration for his farewell at Stamford Bridge, but the fact that he came off amid accusations of spot fixing and all the rest of it. What you thought of the the whole kind of nature of his premature withdrawal we'll call it <laughs> <laughs> that's what we'll go with that's Prem- the, the, the phrasing we're going with okay. premature withdrawal well, that's okay. what we're going to go one, with one for the um, <laughs> uh, I I personally didn't have a problem with it being the 26th minute that really didn't I don't know quite what the fuss was. I mean there was obviously it was slightly self-indulgent and you know you get the idea that he was his idea behind it and fine but you know, it was a personal thing between him and the fans, and that didn't really bother me. A couple of issues I did have, I think the guard of honour was over the top. I don't think he needed a guard of honour coming off the pitch. I think that, you know, nobody does that. And you saw the day before, whatever it was, when Philip Lahm and um, Xabi Alonso went off the pitch, you know, hugs around the players and whatever, and then and then they just walk off. That's fine. The other, the other thing that I didn't agree with was Sunderland agreeing to doing it as well, because... I mean, David Moyes' comments after the game were... Yeah, quite staggering to be honest. Yeah, I feel a bit sorry for Jordan Pickford because I don't think he was really in in with that, and he just he had the ball and he booted it out of play because he was getting harassed by Diego Costa basically saying, "Look, it's the twenty sixth minute, chuck it out," and he was like, "Okay, fine," he kicked it out. Um, if I was a Sunderland fan, I'd be fuming because it's got nothing to do with us. It's not our club. Why are we giving him the honorary sort of you know everyone thinks he deserves? It's a Premier League match. We've been relegated. It's not a testimonial. Let's go on and carry on the game. That's the big ideas that I didn't agree with. The fact it was the 26th minute, you know, fine. Well, I mean, who cares, really, at the end of the day? But, you know, there were a couple of issues with it, I think, that riled, thing, riled people. Did you find the nature of it contrived? or? Uh, I think what I thought of it was that, yeah, fair enough, he deserves the recognition for nearly 20-plus years at Chelsea. years, yeah. Yeah, he definitely deserves that. But players, I think, should come off towards the end personally with say like five ten minutes to go then you get the recognition you deserve then 26 minute for me just didn't sit right especially with the guard of honor as well mm. and those last time did it when he left psg last season and all the players came over to give him a hug in that mm. but no do you think do you think some of the reaction been a bit over the top to it though? i think it's been a little bit over the top i think it hasn't helped that you know there was the the sort of money won on on the bets. So I don't think that was that wasn't great for the game. That wasn't great for the whole occasion. That really put a bit of a cloud over it. Um, I think there was a bit of an overreaction to it all, and and you know there's nothing really come out of it when it comes to the spot spot fixing thing, if you like. But 
you know there was there was some there was some sort of bad moments surrounding what could have been a quite a nice moment really and the fact it was John Terry and Chelsea I think was an extra thing I think if it was Steven Gerrard doing it in the eighth minute I'm not sure many people would be bothered about it or would be talking about it really no, I, I think the fact is no I don't think anyone would have done I think it's the fact that it's John Terry in the 26th minute John Terry being a generally disliked character from people outside of Chelsea you know I think that added to it okay interesting stuff lads End the season awards then, right? Oh. I'm just going to fire stuff at you. Give me, give me names, give me moments, give me goals. That's what we're going to go with, and explain why. So, Ollie, we'll start with you. Player of the season and why? Kante, all day long. I voted for him for the football writers as well, and I just thought that he was, you know, Hazard's been fantastic, but Kante's been the battery behind the whole thing, and and the, the real key difference between what was a disastrous season last year and the one that was this year. Rob. Kante as well. I think everyone would vote for Kante. I think it's been absolutely incredible. And I think he does deserve all the awards he's, he's got. Breakthrough. Ooh, breakthrough. Um, a couple of... Well, a couple of people. Firstly, Pedro, for, his, for the way he's played this year. I think that he has um, really come on. And then, actually, I guess, firstly, Victor Moses, really. If you look at the position he's had to play in. I know there's a couple of people... You know, Aspilicueta's playing a different role, David Luiz has come back, but Victor Moses, from being a, a loney for the last few seasons, probably his last chance um, at Chelsea. If it didn't work out this season, he probably would have been out the door, and it's all worked out for him. He's got a new deal, he's played really well in the wing-back role, found his role by the looks of it, and he's probably broken through the most. Yeah. Rob, breakthrough? Victor <laughs> Moses as well. I think, like Ollis said, I think he's been outstanding this season. I think many... Would have probably thought it'd have been one to leave, one to go out and learn yet again. But I mean, he's just kicked on and he's been absolutely fantastic. Okay. Um, moment of the season. Oh, um, a bit more difficult this one. You could say, strangely, the 3 0 defeat to Arsenal <laughs> because that was the moment everything changed, really. Yeah. They changed the formation. Um, you know the players all suddenly sprung into life, and it completely changed changed everything. Really, um, I mean, personal watching things live, the Hazard goal against um, I, against you Arsenal. Already jumped the gun here. I was going to come on to that as a separate bonus award. Sorry, yeah, um, that and and also Pedro's goal against Everton. Um, I thought that was actually a stunning goal, really. And um, he just, you know, at a game where it was a real crucial game that one away at Goodison Park, everyone thought it was going to be a real tough one, and. And he scored that and it all just went from there. Moment of the season for Chelsea? I think the 3-0 win at Everton. I think that pretty much wraps up the league title. I think going into that game, there were there were a lot of pressure on them. Spurs were closing in. And given how well Everton had been at home prior to that, I mean, just blew them away. Mm. Totally. Goal of the season? <laughs> Probably has against <laughs> Arsenal. Uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty special goal to watch, really. Um, you know, seeing him fight off a couple of Arsenal players and then stick it in the back of the net was pretty pretty special. But they've they've scored some good ones, and the Pedro one against Everton as well was another one. Uh, Costa's one against um, who was it as well? Uh, he scored late on, and it was a really nice team goal actually. And it was the game where he scored two. Um, I can't remember who it was against now because completely on the back of, my, of off the top of my head, completely. But anyway, it was a lovely team goal right at the end. Um, and he'd been going through a bit of a drought spell, and he scored the first one early in the game. 
and then a nice little sort of interchange as well and that was a nice goal moment sorry we, we've done moment goal goal uh, Matic against Spurs at Wembley I think I think I might have to agree with you on yeah, that yeah that's a good one I think there's quite a few to pick from like you mentioned Hazard and the Pedro one at Everton but that was some strike mm. I know we'd scored one at Goodison the year before when Naismith scored a hat-trick but that was as clean as you could hit it that was some goal do you know what I actually think I preferred Hazard in the home win over Everton to his goal against Arsenal to be honest with you I thought his goal against Arsenal was amazing but I also thought it owed a lot to defensive deficiencies as much as it did to his brilliance whereas the Everton goal the way the way he hits the ball so early and catches was it I think it was Stecklenburg, Stecklenburg at that yeah. point wasn't it catches him at his near post and pops it I, I thought that goal was absolutely brilliant I thought I needed to contribute because I was getting away <laughs> scot free yeah I was getting away scot free with it then so um, just going to come on to the bonus award just to round things off and obviously these are all subject to change at tomorrow yeah. things could change pretty dramatically but your Antonio Conte moment of the year so that can be Behind the scenes at a press conference that you've attended that fans might not get to see can be on the touchline. If you were to if you were to pinpoint one thing that Conte's done said, um, I think the, the one that stands out the most is the swinging on the dugout from Stoke City when Cahill scored. And big goal, that it, massive goal, absolutely massive goal, and they it was one of those games where they just looked like they weren't going to get the win, and another one where they managed to do it and. And his reaction after that, he's, he's celebrated in style in a lot of ways this season, but to see him swinging off the dugout, um, that was a pretty special moment. He's been, yeah, I mean, press conferences where I was dealing with, with Conte, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's quite tight-lipped about certain things, you know, about injuries and, and general players, but, you know, talking about his future as well, you're not going to get anything out of him at, at the time, but, you know, he's been, it's all been very relaxed and quite nice and you know he's not had the pressure of really as apart from the very beginning of the season when they were under pressure after the defeats to Liverpool and, and Arsenal um, yeah it's been you know pretty relaxed and chilled and he's been smiling and laughing and even today you know in the press conference he's been pretty jokey and and you know um, so yeah I'd say that I'd say that that's Stoke swinging off the dugout brilliant and that wraps things up for today um, no it doesn't no it doesn't because I'm going to ask for your predictions oh here we go right then lads what are we going, what are we going for I'm... You, you, you said it could be a route tomorrow yeah. so I'm expecting I'm expecting Vida Printer like spelling out of of the number 4-1 4-1 Chelsea 4-1 Chelsea yeah I think it could be I'll go for 2-0 Chelsea I think it isn't going to be as open as many expect it to be End of the day, it's a cup final. League form goes out the window. I think it all depends how early Chelsea score, and if they score really, how Arsenal react to that. But I think Chelsea will lift the cup. Two 0 Chelsea. The same. The same script we've seen for the last twelve years. Score early, soak up a load of pressure without any clear cuts, goal scoring opportunities for Arsenal. Get a killer second on the break. Game over. Thank you very much. Two trophies and in Antonio Conte's first season, I think that'll do him very Pretty nicely impressive. ahead of what's likely to be a very busy summer. I think we can all agree after the, the Bernardo Silva stuff. We're approaching the 40-minute mark, so I think that's a su- suitable kind of bumper edition for the FA Cup final. Um, 
we we won't be back. We're going to have to take a, a mini break from the Blue Is the Color podcast just for just for one week only while we kind of I, I guess unwind from the season as, as Ollie's off to I'm on holiday <laughs> off, to, off to sun himself in some exotic well, it's pretty island. sunny here now I wish I was staying but anyway yeah it's nice this is true thank you Rob for joining us for your, for your debut on the Blues of Colour podcast no problem welcome to come back me. anytime you like um, and Ollie cheers as ever thank we you. will have plenty um, of build up plenty of reaction around the FA Cup final um Join us tomorrow for all the very latest updates at www.football.london um, and also loads of stuff going on on Twitter and Facebook as well. We'll have Kev Byrne, who's a, obviously a regular uh, fixture on the Blues of Colour podcast. We'll have him down at Wembley, in and around the pubs, um, getting your thoughts ahead of the game and, and allowing you to have your say. So uh, look out for him and uh, we'll see you again very soon. Cheers and goodbye.